0: Welcome to The Five-Nine, the official podcast of the Fierce Telecom and Technology Group. Join us each week for the latest insights on 5G, millimeter wave, AI, electronics, sensors, networking, infrastructure, and more in the communications and technology space.
1: All right, everyone, welcome after a brief hiatus to the third season of The Five-Nine. My name is Alejandro Pinedo, your host. And boy, what a way to start the season. When we kicked off this podcast, we had high aspirations, but I think we've really hit the jackpot here with our guest to kick us off here in the spring. LT, President and CEO of U.S. Cellular, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on.
0: Alejandro, thank you so much for the invitation, and uh, that's quite a setup. I feel like I've got something to live (laughs) up to now, So, uh, so the pressure is on
1: absolutely that's how we get our our guests we we set expectations high so then they have to uh, they have to deliver on what they tell us but i'm sure that won't be a problem listen LT, i, I usually ask our guests of course to introduce themselves tell us a little bit about our, uh, themselves. but I, i'd like to give you a chance actually to take this a different way now you're you're entering i believe your third year now as ceo of us cellular you started by my by maths here in a very tricky time, not for the industry, not for uh, the economy, but for the world, right? We were in the midst of a pandemic um, and certainly a tricky time to start a big job like that. What are some of your highlights uh, thus far in your tenure as CEO? And how do you see the company progressing? How has it evolved in, in these uh, last 36 months?
0: Yeah, so you're right. I mean, I took over, I started formally as CEO of U.S. Cellular in July of 2020, and um, dream job, not exactly the dream timing, uh, to take over, a, to take over a company. Um, and just as a very quick summary for the listeners for anybody who's not familiar with the business, um, us cellular, we're the fourth largest wireless company in the U S we're also the fifth largest tower company in the U S we still own all of our own towers. Um, primarily a focus on 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 less populated areas, not entirely rural, uh, but our biggest cities are Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, Tulsa. Um, and so the digital divide and bridging the digital divide is very real for us. And it's a big part of our mission. Uh, so, you know, the mission of the company is connecting people to what matters most. And Alejandro, you mentioned, um, you know, taking over in, in the pandemic, uh, the pandemic really highlighted the importance of what we do. And I think not just what we do as a company, but what we do as an industry. Um, If connectivity before was something that was, you know, nice to have and sort of in the background, I think the the pandemic really thrust the importance of being connected to the foreground. And you hear, you know, these, these terrible stories of kids sitting outside of libraries or sitting outside of McDonald's trying to connect to Wi-Fi, um, you know, that was me as well, right? You mentioned from a personal perspective, I mean, I have twin daughters, uh, they're 15, and I I cannot imagine, we moved from Mexico to Chicago in the middle of the pandemic, uh, and I cannot imagine how they would have been able to be successful and and participate in school and get integrated into their friend group and in the community uh, without connectivity. And so, to me, it only highlighted the importance of what we do and how proud I am to do it. Um since, you know, since the pandemic, uh, I think, you know, U.S. Cellular itself, we've made some we've made some really good strides. Um, we've diversified our business somewhat. And so we were heavily focused on postpaid consumer. And obviously, that's still a large part of our business. But we've driven a lot of exciting growth in other areas of our business. So we mentioned Towers. You know, tower revenue is up double digits last year. Uh, we we're really open for business in terms of uh, taking that tower portfolio that we have and opening it up to other carriers. Uh, we've put a focus on B2B. So if you think about 5G use cases and the emerging 5G use cases, things like private networking, network slicing, uh, IoT, uh, those are going to be enterprise use cases. And so we've invested in, in, in business, and that's borne uh, nice fruit for us. Um, we've invested in fixed wireless access and so the fixed wireless access business has been very interesting very attractive for us as well um, and uh, and finally we've really ramped up our digital capabilities and so digital in the past right pre-pandemic uh, was a uh, was kind of a nice to have and I think there was this this per- prevailing sentiment in the industry that, well, you know, buying a new phone, it's still very complicated and everybody will still want to come into retail. Uh, and I think that's an antiquated notion. I think there's lots of people who are perfectly happy uh, to get a new device, to make changes uh, on a digital platform. And so we've invested heavily in that. We now have a, a a really top-notch digital platform, digital app. And so a lot of those investments have helped us, I think, take the business in new directions while still staying true to that mission of connecting people to what matters most.
1: Makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you you mentioned that focus for U.S. Cellular where you're not exclusively working on uh, connecting rural communities and, and, uh, you know, outside of of urban centers, but it certainly is uh, part of the ethos, if I I dare say, of, of how U.S. Cellular looks at its business. And we've been talking a lot about the digital divide at Fierce Wireless and, and, you know, all the funding and everything that's going into this really in a once in a generation opportunity to to bring people to the digital age. And I wanted to ask you specifically at a high level, you know, if you could go in a little bit deeper into how U.S. Cellular and, and companies like yours play a role in helping bridge the digital divide i know it's a big big topic but if you could break it down perhaps a little bit in terms of what um, what you and and your colleagues can do to to address um, something that seems to be growing to be honest
0: uh, so the i mean it's a, it's a it's a huge topic it's a complicated topic but if i were to boil it down to to two prerogatives for the industry. It's a prerogative around uh, expanding connections and it's a prerogative around improving affordability. Uh, And so let me actually start with the affordability side of the equation. Um, uh, The cost of a gig uh, to a consumer uh, in the US has come down dramatically in the last three years. And, uh, and it's not just because the traffic has gone up, right? Yes, the math would say, okay, well, people are consuming a lot more gigs, you pay the same price, your, your dollars per gig is going to go down. Um, certainly, the, that, is, that is happening. Uh, I think it's over 50% decline in dollars per gig in the last three years for the industry as a whole, and it's certainly the case for U.S. Cellular. But simply, the price of plans have come down as well. And so it is, uh, it, competition is extremely robust in our industry, and it is driving prices down. It's, it's creating uh, substantive affordability opportunities for, for end consumers. Uh, layer on top of that, uh, what the government is doing with the Affordable Connectivity Program, uh, which I'm a fan of, um, and I hope that they can find ways to make more permanent Uh, Because that is a great way to help continue to take the cost of getting connected down for consumers. And so that's kind of step one, which is the affordability side of the equation. And I just think we're making great progress there. Uh, The second step is around actually rolling out infrastructure. And I I think there, the story has yet to be told. Uh, We've invested robustly in connecting un- and underserved areas. It's been our bread and butter for a long time. Um, And it is expensive to do so, Uh, right? It costs considerably more to put a tower in rural America than it does in urban America. And, oh, by the way, there's much less density of consumers to connect to that tower. And so the economics are challenging. And I'm cautiously optimistic that some of the programs that uh, have been discussed, and I'll use bead as an example, uh, are going to create opportunities to invest in wireless and to invest in fixed wireless. And when you invest in fixed wireless, the beautiful thing is, is you don't just invest in that wireless connection to the home or to the business. You also invest in creating broader connectivity, broader mobile connectivity in areas where there may be a gap today. Um, and so we've been doing it for a long time. Uh, we think we're pretty good at it. Um, I'm excited that there may be an opportunity to make areas affordable, economically viable to connect that weren't before and do so with, these, within, with the combination of infrastructure funding and technology uh, but it's going to be a delicate balance uh, because the affordability improvements uh, are fantastic for end consumers. They're challenging from an investment perspective. Uh, you have to be able to continue to invest robustly in this industry. And if you look at CapEx projections, not just for US Cellular, but you look at you know, the discussions around CapEx from AT&T and Verizon and Timo, uh, everybody is cautious you know it's very difficult to make the case for aggressive capex investments when those when those 5g monetization use cases haven't really emerged yet and so there's this delicate balance that we're going to have to figure out how to navigate both as an in, you know as an industry and when i say as an industry i mean both the business participants but also the government participants in that we uh, we have to make sure it's affordable to the end customer. We also have to make sure that there's a case for investment. And it's that second piece that I probably worry about.
1: And it's, it's probably also one of collaboration, right? The story can't just be of, of U.S. salary going out there and installing every tower. There has to be a buy-in from, as you say, government regulators, but also, frankly, your competitors and, and even uh, alternative access technologies, I'd imagine, right? We, we need to look at broadband as a whole picture for these uh, for these communities. and ind-
0: no question. And um, I mean, I think that the, you know, the latest mapping exercise is a really good example of that, where I commend what the FCC is doing in terms of not just creating a, um, a map of fiber or a map of upgraded cable. They're also trying to include fixed wireless, you know, how to evaluate satellite. Uh, but you have to about think about these things um, as, as overlays, so to speak, uh, because if you think if you think about my ability to connect a home with fixed wireless, and one of the things that we're trying to do when we when we bring fixed wireless to a community is we think we deliver a fantastic product uh, at a very good cost, and we can do it very quickly. Um, right now, we've rolled out low band fixed wireless, and uh, which is a good speed experience. It's not a great speed experience. Uh, once we fire up the mid band spectrum that we purchased, both C band and 3.45, we'll be able to deliver, we're forecasting 300 down. And so it's going to be a tremendous speed experience. Um, but even on the low band side, uh, we've had so many people that are interested in that product. Uh, we've doubled our subscriber base in 18 months. And so there's a lot of demand for that product. Um, the mapping of that product and thinking about how to integrate that product with fiber if you're a state government if you're a governor for example you're going to have a certain amount of money and you're going to say well um, there are certain homes i'd like to connect with fiber Uh, there's other homes where it's just not going to be cost effective to do that and so how do i bring in fixed wireless for example to connect the rest of those homes it's going to have to be a partnership to use your words right the partnership between a fiber provider, a fixed wireless provider, and the government uh, to come together to make sure we connect some of these places that have been left behind. Uh, and it's not left behind because the industry wants to, right? It's left behind because the economics just don't work. Absolutely.
1: Well, LT, let me, let me shift gears a little bit here. And, and you mentioned your C-band and, and 3.45 uh, license investments. Can you talk about how that uh, mid-band deployment is going? Uh, And and specifically, you know, with C-Band last year was a very big news story, of course, with the FAA. How are those conversations um, moving on? Are there any updates?
0: Yeah, that was quite the kerfluffle, wasn't it? (laughs) We, uh, you know, we were, in a sense, we were lucky because we got to observe how that process uh, worked or didn't work. Um, And what we found was that, all the parties involved waited far too long to engage. Um, and so it really got down to crunch time. And then all of a sudden you've got people, you know, lobbing accusations back and forth instead of rolling up their sleeves and figuring out how to solve a problem. And so we told ourselves we were not going to repeat that mistake. We engaged very early uh, with not just the FCC and the NTIA, but directly with the FAA um Making sure that we understood their concerns and making sure that we understood their concerns technically. Uh, right? I want engineers working with engineers. I don't want lawyers working with lawyers. Uh, and when you get engineers working with engineers, it's remarkable how quickly you can solve problems. And so, you know, by rolling up our sleeves and sitting down with the FAA, we were actually able to, Uh, get clearance for basically all of our towers Um, we were able to solve the problems and we're full speed ahead and so we have a plan to deploy uh, about 750 mid-band sites this year Um, we will do both 3.45 and C band now obviously we can't light the C band up until the end of the year when the spectrum clears but the strategy is that we're gonna be putting uh, all the spectrum on the towers uh, and then uh, lighting it up as soon as it clears so that we are, we're ready. Um, and we're excited about the opportunity for that mid-band spectrum. It's going to do two things for us. Uh, the first is it obviously will provide a better mobile experience to our customers. Uh, and the second is it opens up a whole new competitive set for fixed wireless. And I think both of those are going to be a real benefit to our business and a real benefit to consumers and, um, I'm glad that we were able to navigate some of those tricky situations, and I think the reason we were able to do it is because we engaged early and we engaged tactically, so it's full speed ahead for us on that
1: great and and the other point I wanted to pick up on on your previous answer was around f w a now you mentioned there's there's a huge demand increase in subs so can you tell us a little bit more specifics on on that f w a uh, strategy? How many customers are you? Uh, are you bringing on board? Is it a city or a rural play? Do you see it evolving? Um, and, and basically, are you guys happy with it?
0: We're very happy with it. Um, we have, as of now, I think we have about 80,000 customers uh, on fixed wireless. I'll say again, right, it's on a, a low-band product. And so uh, when, we, when we roll out mid-band and we we're able to get to those 300 meg speeds, I think we'll, we have substantive opportunity ahead of us. Um, for now, we focus to build more on rural rural, and let's call it sub-rural areas. Um, it's where we compete the best. Um, and it's where the product competes versus other alternatives. If you're on DSL, if you're on satellite, uh, the opportunity we can provide is a far better speed experience. Uh, when we have mid-band, I think we'll be able to expand that more. We'll be more aggressive in suburban and even kind of quasi-rural environments. I will say if there is if there's fiber to a home um, or there's fiber in a neighborhood, I'm not going to distribute heavily there. Um, We have I mean, I I suppose it's possible to go compete against fiber, but at some point physics get in the way. Uh, And so if it's economical to deliver fiber to a neighborhood as a country, we should do that. Um, but there are a whole lot of places that are not connected with fiber and won't be connected with fiber for a long time, notwithstanding beat. I mean, even with all the infrastructure dollars that are going in, uh, at some point, this is not going to be an issue of money. It's going to be an issue of time. And so there are going to be a lot of homes out there that are five, 10 years away from being connected, even if they're on a, a roadmap. And we think we have a fantastic opportunity to connect those homes. And so I see a lot of runway for this product
1: great um and and we've been hearing a lot about f w a and and uh, it's great to see the success story there um and very excited to see what how it evolves also with the midband deployments in terms of connecting those folks um I wanted to ask you also something a bit different in terms of something that's happening around in the market, so you'll you'll be aware of Cox uh entering into the wireless space and announcement they've made a few weeks ago using the Verizon network. How do you see that move affecting U.S. Cellular? Are you worried? Are you excited? Are you, um, you know, were you looking, were you expecting it? Where Where is your mind at?
0: Yeah, we certainly expected it. Um, given the momentum that cable has had in terms of bundling wireless uh, with their wireline products, uh, in many cases, they appear to be using wireless as a loss leader to help, manage churn and help differentiate their wireline product. as we think about it, I'll take you back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the of the discussion here which is this balance between affordability and investment. Um, if I think about this from a policy perspective, more competition helps drive prices down helps make make things more affordable for the end customer. If I'm a consumer I love that. prices going down, usually means there's less margin, which means there's less ability for players to invest. I think you're in London right now. Uh, Europe lived this during LTE, uh, right? So so a lot of European countries had uh, MVNO requirements. So wireless, wireless players were required to open up their network to MVNOs. And in many cases, the prices were actually regulated. And what happened is, it sucked the entire profit pool out of the wireless business and because of that wireless players were not able to invest uh, and europe fell far behind uh, in terms of lte and there's a reason why right now uh, the us and korea and china is where a lot of the innovation is happening in wireless it's because well we had those investments in lte um, the U.S. is not Europe, right? We're not at that point yet, from a, from a certainly from a regulatory perspective or competitive perspective. But that's the downside of some of these MVNO moves, right? The pro is lower prices, more competition. The downside is, will we as an industry continue to be able to invest the way that we need to in rolling out five G? and when i think about 6g right what differentiates 6g you're going to have denser networks more intelligence at the edge all of those things require capital and require substantive investment and so uh, i think you know it's a, it's a it's a mixed bag in terms of how i evaluate you know the impacts of of any of the wire, any of the, uh, the 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 cable mvnos um, we see it in our business. We're a little bit insulated uh, because of the nature of our footprint. Um, we have, you know, only about 50% of our footprint where we see cable competition. So we're a little bit more insulated than others, but uh, we certainly see it. And um, it's something we pay a lot of attention to.
1: Yeah. And and so if you set aside the, the investment angle and, and you know, the, the competition, when you look at MVNO's positive impact in terms of the digital divide discussion we were just having, does it make a difference? Um, I guess affordability is is uh, is what you were referring to. Perhaps not so much on on reach, right? Yeah, the hard part is that you can't set
0: aside the investment angle, right? Because bridging the digital divide, it, it you have to have both sides of the equation. You have to have affordability, but you also have to have the investment in the infrastructure. Um, without both, you don't fix the problem. And so the it's. It's tempting uh, if you're just looking at price to say, hey, check, right, we're doing a great job here, or if you're just looking at capital investment to to wail that the sky is falling about bridging the digital divide. The reality is a little bit more nuanced. Um, Prices are coming down. We're making it more affordable. The ACP program is helping helping make it more affordable. We do have investment challenges as a wireless industry, and we've got to make sure that we're 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 nuanced in the way that we approach it.
1: Fair enough. I think um, I think it's it's a good answer to say you can never split the investment uh, discussion from anything like that. Obviously, it underpins uh, everything that that we can do. Um, Lt, let me let me bring us here to to think about what's coming up, what what you can look forward to. And specifically, I want to bring you back to um, to your predictions you made for wireless tech in 2023, a, a great set of predictions. But I want to highlight one in particular. Now, you said that there was a need to reset the relationship with technology. I think the point you made, actually, was that connectivity can can become too much. I don't think I need to remind you, LT, that you are the CEO of a tech company. Um, is that something you want to be putting out there? Is that something you want to be saying as CEO of U.S. Cellular? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, uh, I, I don't back off of that prediction whatsoever. I mean, uh, I, w- I will say I supplemented it with two other predictions, which were that fixed wireless would take off in business and that we would finally see IoT starting to emerge from the, from the hype cycle and start to generate meaningful revenue. So don't get me wrong. I'm still very bullish on a lot of uh, opportunities that connection drives. But uh, yeah, let me go into that that statement a little bit more because uh, I definitely stand behind it, and I'll, and I'll take you back to our mission. Uh, so the mission at US Cellular is to connect people to what matters most. Uh, it is not to connect people all the time, everywhere, and what I would call is there are there is connection that divides. And one of the things that we've observed, and the 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 feedback that we've heard in surveys and from customers is that people view this as a problem and that sometimes being ubiquitously connected, always connected, and by that I mean always on your phone. I I don't mean always having access. Our job is to make sure that people can be connected all the time if they want to be. But there's a difference between being connected all the time and being what I would call positively and productively connected. And one of the things that we uh, have observed is that sometimes, uh, connectivity can divide. Uh, you know, I'm reminded about, you know, the, the image of, of the family that's sitting at their dinner table where everyone's on their phone. And to me, that is not a problem that I, as a wireless company CEO can say, well, that's not my problem. Um, if I'm going to connect people to what matters most, sometimes what matters most is time with your family. And so we're thinking about ways that we can be a positive contributor to this, to this issue. And I think it's important to call it out. And I think it's important to call it out as a technology CEO, um, because if we're serious about our mission, we have to also you know, take these, let's call it, these side effects into account. And so luckily, we have partners in this. If I, if I think about what, what Apple is doing uh, with screen time or, or what Android has with digital well-being there are tools out there that can help people have a more positive and productive relationship with technology. And, and we plan to play a part in that. And so that's going to be uh, that's going to be something that we're going to be pushing on hard as a company, um, because ironically, I, I laughed about what you said. You know, do I have to remind you, you're a tech, you know, you're a technology CEO Um I actually view that because I am a technology CEO, I have a particular responsibility in this area, and I think it's something where we can have a meaningful impact.
1: So I guess you're you're siding with my five year old who yesterday told me to get off my phone already. I think. Well, um, you know, that's give, an them, important point. <laughs> yeah, give them point. Yeah, give
0: him give five years, and you'll be the one you'll be the one saying <laughs> that. So uh, yeah, it, the, the, the coin flips both
1: ways. I'll I'll make him listen to this uh, to this podcast at that point. I, I think right now it's not in my best interests. Um, <laughs> um, LT, listen before we we let you go here. Just to, I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to send out a message to our listeners, those practitioners in the industry, um, you know, technical market leaders, um, and folks who are really shaping the direction that we're moving as as an industry. In, in the role that we play uh to to do everything that you've talked about right to connect to make it affordable to to work in the benefit of the consumer and and to connect them to the digital age and and also perhaps how you you see it as a ceo you know is it is it a different role that that you play in terms of leadership and and how you think that feeds into the the, the, the mission that we as an industry should take on of connecting everyone
0: yeah, thank you, Alejandro, and thank you for the opportunity to participate here. I, it, a mission, and you know, keen, being keenly aware of of who your listeners are here, the message I would tell people is is you know be proud of what we do. I, I think we can get very wrapped up in competition and looking at whether it's wireline versus wireless or fiber versus fixed wireless or. You know, how does satellite play? And then even within wireless, right? There's no love lost between U.S. cellular, T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon. At the end of the day, however, what we do is so important and it's so meaningful. And I hope that people are proud of this. And I hope that as an industry, we should be proud of it. One of the things that drove me a little nuts in the whole um, FAA issue was that uh, I felt like as an industry, uh, we didn't put our best foot forward in terms of what an impact we make in people's lives. And uh, I'll give you an example. We we connected, uh, we brought Fixed Wireless to a community in Northampton County, North Carolina, really a rural county right on the border with Virginia. Um, we partnered with government there to be able to have endpoint subsidies. So it brought the cost of the equipment down so people could afford it. Uh, and we were connecting a community that up until then uh, wasn't connected. And, you know, there's only, you know, a couple thousand people that live there, but we made a massive difference in their life. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you two quotes. The first quote was, uh, you people are really making a difference here. But the second quote that really got me was, now my grandchildren will come visit. I, don't, I, I think that that pride can sometimes get lost. And um, I, I don't want us to lose that as an industry. I'm passionate about what we do. Uh, our company is passionate about what we do. We believe in it. We believe in our mission. And our mission, connecting people to what matters most, is not that different from AT&T's mission or Verizon's mission or T-Mobile's vision, or Fiber's mission. Uh, we connect people, and it's so meaningful. And so I do hope that people take pride, uh, and I hope that not just in this podcast but in the rest of your sessions as well, uh, you can bring that out. Because as an industry, we have so much to be proud of.
1: Absolutely. and that's what we we endeavor to do even when we bring on uh, you know very technical folks who still get that that message that what we do matters and and I think that we're uh, part of what we're trying to do is to highlight the the impact that connectivity has and it's it's not just about the bottom line it, it really has an impact on people's lives and their and the communities and and how they interact with each other and even with their work and, and everything so I think that message is, is loud and clear. LT, it's been a pleasure. Um, I've, I've learned a lot over the last half an hour. I'm sure our listeners have as well. And I wish you a lot of luck with, with the mission that, you're, uh, that you have over there at US Hiller. And I'm excited to, to watch your, your success. So thanks for joining us.
0: Well, thank you, Alejandro. I really appreciate the opportunity to participate. And thanks to everyone for listening.
1: Well, uh, listener, let me join in saying thank you for joining us back for the third season. We'll be back on your feed every week. Until then, don't forget to hit subscribe and let your friends and colleagues know of all the great stuff you're hearing over here. For now, from all of us here at The Five Nine, I'll see you next week. Take care and bye-bye. You've been listening to The Five Nine, Fierce Telecom's official telecom and technology podcast.
0: Get the latest telecom and technology news at our websites PierceWireless.com, PierceElectronics.com, PierceTelecom.com, and PierceVideo.com. See you soon!